Choi. That's where you get these these niche uh, subjects. Well, yeah, it's fun. Truck, you're gonna attract people that are into lifted trucks. Yeah, that's that's an ironic thing. It really is funny to watch. <laughs> it's funny to watch people who go so hard at something and hope that they get people's appreciation or acceptance or, um, you know, award or like, you know, attention or whatever it is just to watch only people in that field be like, wow. Like I was watching this dude do a 315 pound shoulder press yesterday. That's like, that's, that's just a, just around double what, like what my, my shoulder press is at like 180. And so like this dude doing a 315 shoulder press, I'm like, that is an impressive shoulder press. Like, geez. And I'm here with my girl and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. And I'm like, that's he's like, he's picking a moped up over his head. That's that's crazy. <laughs> that's, a, that's what an awesome lift. But only somebody who lifts for like, how heavy can you go would appreciate that. And so yeah, like, I mean, here I am going like, dude, I'm going to comment on this guy's video. That's awesome. Way to go, bro. And she'd be like, I don't care at all. <laughs> it's interesting. She's never tried it. So she doesn't understand the magnitude that comes along with that accomplishment. Like that's, I have a little bit of background in, um, in weightlifting. So, I mean, I'm not a bodybuilder and I don't compete, nor do I desire to, but having shoulder press before and understanding how difficult getting, you know, 10 reps of 50 to 60 pounds over your head is, you start tacking on massive amounts and it's like, damn, I can only imagine. But if you have no experience in that realm, then it's like, oh yeah, 315 pounds. That sounds like a number. That's a, that's a number. Yeah. You have nothing <laughs> that's to pretty much to. what it is. He did a thousand. Like, wow, that's a number. Nice. <laughs> pretty accurate. So, yeah, having, having that experience in, in whatever field it is, gives you a lot more understanding and appreciation for whatever the achievement is. But for the general masses, it's, it's just a number. Funny stuff, man. It's very true. Interesting. So yeah, I ran into that a little bit with her and, and, and my own stuff. And it's one of those things where I guess uh, my race to acceptance. And I think that one day we should go back over the race to acceptance. I think people would appreciate that because it's such a, it's probably one of the most valuable tools that I know. But um, in the race to acceptance, I had to get to the point where the most dangerous part about having a goal that you achieve and not getting the appreciation or acceptance or the uh, reward system or whatever it is that you were like, this is what I want from it and not getting it. Is it because the other people didn't do it the way you wanted to? Or is it because you made up they should? And for me... I found it was making up that they should they should be doing it the way that I think that's awesome. If I did something, they should be like, wow, you're amazing. You're impressive. I am proud of you. And instead they go, that's a number. <laughs> like you don't get any of that. And then you're like, I'm disappointed. And why go for my goals? And why should I ever have a dream again? You know, like you start getting all this doubt in your way. Simply because you created an expectation. Well, I think a lot of that goes into, are you doing it for its purpose or are you doing it for the validation? Oh, I want that validation with my purpose. 
well, you, you may be pleasantly surprised or severely disappointed. You're, you're still relying on other people to fulfill half of your expectation. So if you're going for a goal and you hit your goal and not relying on expectation, you can only be disappointed by the amount of work you put into it. You can't be disappointed about something that you don't put work into. Correct. But you can, be dis- you can be disappointed by other people and what they do based on whatever it is that you're working on. So if your validation search is going for like, I want everyone to absolutely love this and then they don't, well, expectations are the leading cause of disappointment. Yeah, it is the, it is the cause of disappointment. (laughs) It's, it's brutal, man. Expectations are, it's, uh, it's, I actually really struggle with the idea of whether expectations are needed. Like I understand, and this is where I think the argument, I, I didn't expect to go this direction with this conversation, but um expectations are something you expect somebody else to do and people say well i have expectations of myself i believe that when it comes to the operation level that you work at that's your standards for operation this is my level of what i believe i'm capable of and my standards for like quality and how i like to operate things this is how clean i like things this is how well i like things orchestrated this is the level of work that i put into my activities this is the standard that i operate at and when you start imposing your standards on others and expect them to just do that now you're in an imaginary expectation version of what i want them to be i imagined you doing things the way that i like things done which means I have an imaginary version of you that I just like better because they do things my way. And that's my standard. And I believe my standards have merit and I expect you to live up to my standards. It is purely a recipe for disaster. (laughs) But expectations only fall short when you include free will into it. If your expectations that you set are for a a situation that you're handling, you're applying those expectations to yourself. So you are in control of that. Where free will comes into it is when you set expectations for other people. When they do or do not meet those expectations, it's because of their free will to choose to or not to do it. And that's where you can fall into that that disappointment is because you have no control over whether or not they do or don't do it. You can only influence it and and hope but you can't make it happen because they get to choose what they do. Well, as the everything is a choice author, I completely agree that everything is free will and choice, <laughs> like 100%. So I think that I'd be the worst person to argue the other side for that. Um, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. And I think it also comes down to which part is the controlling the controllable in that in that situation? Is it the part where you expect their free will to fall in line with what you want them to do? Or is it controlling the fact that you're the one creating the imaginary version of what I want them to do? And maybe not do that and accept what they are going to do or who they are. That's the controllable out of that free will equation is how you handle it versus what they should do or I want them to do or why didn't they do. You'll only get disappointed because people aren't going to be operating at your standard. They're operating at theirs. And they're wondering why you're not doing their standard because that's messed up to them. Insert judgment and shame. (laughs) I'm with you on that. And I, 
I like to fall back on the premise of you're only as disappointed as you allow yourself to be. So yeah, you can set your expectations and if they meet them, then you, you can decide whether or not you want to set new ones or whether you're good with that. Of course, this only goes into you, your expectations, your judgment, your, your perception of what that person should be or could be. And that's why I said with, with free will and choice, when you apply it to other people, that's where you can be set up. But if, if you go into it with, uh, all right, I've set these expectations and they didn't do it, now it's up to you on whether or not that is going to affect you in the manner to get mad, readjust, reevaluate, lower or raise your expectations. As long as you have the ability and the awareness to see the situation, yes, I applied judgment. Yes, I applied expectations. But now with this new outcome, with new information, I have the awareness and the ability to readjust and make this different. Do I want to make it different better or do I want to make it different worse? Sounds an awful lot like everything's a choice, man. Um, that's basically what all life comes down to. So It really is. Well said. Well said. I appreciate you very much, Eddie. I got a quote that I want to throw at you a little bit. And it's, uh, it's one of these things that I believe, and this is, I think, falls in line with part of my purpose is one of the things I believe is that simplicity is genius. I think the, the more simple you can break something down, um, the more effective you are at being able to teach or explain or whatever. And how, who was it? There was a, I know that they try and give credit to Albert Einstein, uh, but I think it was, a, it was a professor who said it. Can't. And it simply, who was it? Yeah, because they try and give it to Einstein, but it wasn't Einstein, it was a teacher. They said, uh, if you can't explain it simply, don't understand it well enough. Have you ever heard that before? Yes. Well, who was it that said it? It was, it was not Einstein, it was somebody else. I don't know the original source, but I've heard many people say it. That's how the expression kiss came out. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Dang it. After, I, I, know, I know that it was a different dude, but I, um, I don't see it right off the bat. But uh, when, um, when I think about that, if you can't explain it simply, it just shows that you don't understand it well enough. You don't understand the topic well enough to be able to, um, I mean, look at it from both sides. Like, I, where, where, where would I be wrong? Where would it be right? Where does it work? Where does it not work? And if you can't break it down into, like, basic terms you may not have an understanding of it that's deep enough yet. And so uh, one of the things that stuck out to me was a Confucius quote that says, life is really simple, but we insist on making it complicated. And so one of my quotes is that like, all choices are simple. All of them. And I'll take the challenge on anybody. Everybody will be like, oh, well, some of these are really complicated choices. And I'll be like, at the end of all of the complication that you add to it, it still comes down to are you going to do it or not? It still comes down to stay or go, yes or no, you know, go take a risk, don't take a risk. Like at the end of it, all of the complications that we add to it really are like, so you're going to do it or not? 
That's the simplicity of choice. It's all of the things that we add to it that make it so it's like, oh my God, this is so stressful. What am I going to do? You know? And I, I in no way, shape or form disagree with you on that. The, the concept, the baseline of it all is simple. It's the actions to be able to accomplish the simple task that makes things difficult. Um, are you going to get your degree or not? That's, that's a pretty simple answer, yes or no. But now what is involved in getting your degree? What channels do you have to go through? What knowledge do you have to obtain? Uh, how much money do you need to get? What do you need to do in order to obtain that money? What school are you going to attend? Well, what's your GPA going to be like? What does it have to be? All of those things come into a, a simple answer, but there's so many different steps and variables that make it difficult to execute. So yes, the, the bottom line is simple, yes or no, but the action of uh, uh, accomplishing it, that is what is difficult. So the term simple, but not easy, like uh, build a house. Daddy, you should build a house. That's pretty simple. Build a house. And you're like, um, there's a lot of stuff involved in build a house. There's electrical and plumbing and there's uh, the carpentry work and then making sure everything is put in the right place. And there's a lot of like pretty important structural things that have to be in place. Build a house is very complicated to just do that task. But are you going to build a house or are you not? Is a very simple choice as far as like yes or no. And that's where it, I agree with you is just because you have the simplicity broken down doesn't mean it's easy, but it still comes down to which one are you going to choose? I think where it gets into that is being able to see the choice. And the problem I run into and the reason why I do what I do is people don't know how to ask the right question. Like the choices, I believe, if people really understand the choice, that simplicity version of it. So are you going to follow your dream or are you going to quit on yourself? Like asking the question the right way, instead of like focusing on like, this is going to be really hard. It's like, well, you can focus on how hard it is or you can work forward to go through it. Like, you, you, are you going to do it or are you going to quit then? You know, like if you ask the right questions, it makes it so people can like, not succumb to excuses or distractions as easily because the choice seems very clear. Uh, you know, you're in an abusive relationship. You're like, oh yeah, it's really hard where I'm at. So are you going to stay or are you going to go? It's not that easy. I'm like, no, no, the choice is that simple. I didn't say it was easy. The choice is that simple. Is Are you going to keep putting your life in this situation or are you going to remove your existence from this toxic, you know, circumstance. Are you gonna, what are you going to do? That's the choice. And I think that's where simplicity is genius on these moments is do you ask the right questions? And I think what I've come to is that we create a defense mechanism based on what we know to not put ourselves in such difficult conversation like uh questions to ourselves we don't ask ourselves those questions because it's scary and it hurts and it's usually associated with damage or pain or ptsd or trauma and i don't want to open up that stuff again that just hurts so i'm gonna go with a different route 
whether it be fear or doubt, like what could happen, everything can go wrong. What if this goes, what, what if I'm on the streets? Like all these things that we make up. So I'll distract myself in my phone or with alcohol or with drugs or something to distract me, or I'll just keep making excuses that like, you know, I know that it's bad, but when it's good, it's good. And these weird things that we say to avoid the real question of, so you want to stay or do you want to go? No, that's why I think it's fun watching people when they overcomplicate very simple things. That was just one seems obvious circumstance. I'm sure you've All seen right. this before. <laughs> Let's say I play devil's advocate to it, though. The simple choice of stay or go is still not accounting for the unknown. You don't know what you don't know. So now you have to assume, guess, uh, calculate. You have to strategize. Having the awareness to be able to do those things not only helps and aids you in the ability to do that, but even having the best ability to strategize and to break down and analyze still doesn't allow you the information that you don't know. You can't ask the right questions if you don't know what questions to ask. So even in doing research, you start looking for something that you're interested in. Let's take stocks or crypto or whatever into account. So you start your process of research. Well, you start with simple keywords and then you can break it down from there, but still being able to comprehend, understand, and not overload yourself with unnecessary information is a factor. It's a variable. So now you have to weigh the, the, the risk of it. Like, am I going to spend the next four weeks of my life diving into every aspect of, of this topic to be able to figure out what's going on and fall down many rabbit holes along the way just so I can obtain the knowledge at that point and do, do I have the ability to use it? So you're, you're not only trying to obtain the knowledge, but now you're trying to obtain what you need in order to achieve your original goal. So I, I kind of strayed away from the original point here, which was the simple, do you want to stay or go in an abu abusive relationship? is fine until you factor in what the outcome could be. You could spend all this time dabbling around and analyzing it, but if the end result is all of the other things that get affected by your choice being worth it or not, you may end up staying, not because it's the better choice, but because it is the most logical choice. It is the end result of this will mess up more than it so now I have to choose to sacrifice here to obtain in these areas. So yes, I would like to go because I don't enjoy this abusive relationship. It is not good for me. However, if I do that, there are so many other things that will be affected by that choice and I have to take that into account. So I will sacrifice this small portion of my unhappiness for the betterment of many other things that either involve me directly or indirectly and involve other people that I may care about in that process as well, such as children, family, friends. Those, those things have to be accounted for, but that falls into the unknown. Now you're just guessing if these things would happen, and then you have to weigh them on a scale of what is most likely to happen. What is the probability? And that that makes a simple question very difficult. 
I see, I see your devil's advocate and I understand the idea of the fear of the unknown. It, it makes me think of a quote that I heard that says optimism is really just like feeling that the future is uncertain. That's what it is. Like the future being uncertain, like there's no guarantees on what it's going to be. It would fall under optimism. Like anything could happen, you know, it could go really well and people will associate what they know into what the future is to try to make it as known as they can based on what they've experienced so far, even though there's no way to actually know what could happen if you went to uh, some place to find help or get out of a toxic situation. So if you've only been in bad spots, you're going to associate that it could be worse instead of it could be better, even though that's one of the ways it could go. And I think that's where people start calling themselves realists when they feel like the future is already known. So if I choose to do something that feels uncertain, it's just going to go back into a worse like system that I've already been a part of. So it's going to be worse. So why would I do something worse? And that's where I think where you, you were saying it seems logical to do something that I know uh, falls under cognitive dissonance, where I know what the right thing to do is. And I'm going to do the thing that I know anyways, even though I know this isn't serving me or my life or my kids or my circumstance in any positive way. It's the devil I know. And so I'm going to stay where, you know, I'm used to, even if it's not good. And so I think the subjective reality or subjective logic is what makes it so it's complicated because if you really take a step back it's all just kind of imaginary what I'm comparing things to. It's like the what if this happens and what if and what if, what if. And I think based on the experiences that somebody has had in their life, if they've been pretty shit on their whole life, it's easy to keep putting your what ifs negatively. Well, what if, you know, this bad thing happens and what if this bad thing happens and what if this happens and if those happened, I'd be better off just staying what if it goes really well? And what if you're safe? And what if you do find, you know, a positive outcome and you can have a, a, a life where you're not living in constant fear? What if it goes that direction? I don't know that life. So I can't really put myself in that imaginary shoes because I haven't been a part of that. So it seems more far-fetched that I'd find such a positive outcome when all I know is negative ones. So the subjective logic, the, the make-believe unknown future will generally lead towards a self-fulfilling prophecy of I'm going to end up in a bad spot if I do. That's, that's working off of the premise that you're imagining these things rather than calculating these things. Um, let's just go off of use an example that I that I know personally. Um, I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to do anything of that nature. But using the the premise, there's a relationship between two people, one of which has the stability. There's a foundation, but there's a lot of drawbacks and problems that come with that because of their lifestyle and their behavior, and that takes a heavy impact on uh, person B. So male to female, we have male causes a lot of problems. We have female that is constantly cleaning up for them. 
Well, on the male side of it, all of the stability, everything that has been laid foundation wise and has built for many years has also brought the, the destruction, turmoil, conflict, um, stress, uh, unneeded uh, actions and behaviors to be able to manage that. But in return, what is given not only affects the, the, the woman in the situation, but many people that follow down the line of said. So if this woman wants to remove herself from the part that is giving her issues and causing more stress and, and making things difficult when it doesn't have to be, she's not just factoring in herself. She would have to factor in three, four, five, six other people and everything that would happen domino effect if she was to remove herself from that situation. So when she would ask herself, if she ever got to a point of this isn't for me, it is no longer just about the choice of yes or no for her. Now it's calculating all of the domino trickle effect that will come along with making that simple choice. And all of that being calculated in now goes into a percentage ratio of if I do this, these will happen. Is the sacrifice that I make in my stress level worth all of the benefits that come along, not only for the opposite side of all of the things that I have to do, but the benefits that I get from this, and also to the remaining amount of people that are affected by this situation in a positive manner or negative. Like those, all of those things come into play when you're making a simple choice. Yes, I don't want to be in this relationship. However, calculating all of the pros and cons that I know of not imagining that I know of that will be affected if I make a left rather than a right, all of that shifts, all of that changes. People lose houses, people lose money, people lose friends, people lose family, because one person making a simple choice affected all of those outcomes because one variable changed. That's true. It's true. I I don't see it that way because everything was mentioned is loss you lose houses lose family lose friends lose lifestyle lose 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 and i don't see it that way because it completely negates what you gain and i think the the funny thing about like sticking with what's known is we we dilute ourselves into calling it safety or security or whatever we call it like i'm used to this it's where all my stuff is at this is where all my eggs are and the thing is with fear is that it offers this i guess illusion of safety an illusion of stability but it's in a prison so you're safe in jail is pretty much what it is because they don't feel free they don't feel like they can be themselves. They don't feel like they can be authentic. They're always having to clean up after another person's poor choices. And they call it clever things. And this may fall into the codependency issues that they may have, or may fall into just absolute terror of the unknown, which again, is just trying to stay safe in jail. They put themselves in a very difficult environment and called it home. And that idea of being able to really express what values and what 
interests and what purpose that you have in your life is extremely restricted when you don't have freedom, freedom inside, freedom of your mind, freedom to express, freedom to do things that you want to do. This has nothing to do with a relationship, but just be yourself when you're constantly on guard for what this other person's negative decisions in your life have pretty much trapped you in. And so I don't see it necessarily as look at all the things you're going to lose because you're not taking an authentic inventory of what is the cost of what you have. If you feel like home is, this is what I call home. I put little home stickers up in here, but you're in a jail cell. You're, you're paying for that illusion with freedom and all your other values are going to be inhibited from that point. You're, you're kind of stuck. And so that's why I don't look at it as such a pessimistic loss, but what's to be gained if you are free? And that's a difficult question to ask if you don't know it's there. And I, I can agree with a chunk of that, but where I, where I was at before, and I still remain even now with everything that you had just said is, and, and this falls back to the whole crypto and stock analogy is you're investing in things whether you're investing time or energy or emotions or money or whatever, you're, you're still investing. So if you pull out of something that you're invested in, when it's falling short, you lose the potential for it to turn around. You only lose when you're investing in something, when you remove from it, because it always has the ability to potentially turn around. So if you're if you're going to rely on potential, you have to calculate what that potential has, what you're getting from it, what you currently have from it, and what you can get from it. I got two quotes for you on this one. One of them is yours. So the first quote is, is don't cling to a mistake just because you spent a lot of time making it. Like, just because you put a bunch of years into a bad idea doesn't mean you need to hold on to it. At some point, you have to go, this is not good for me. <laughs> this isn't good. Don't hold on to it. If it's something, just because you put a lot of time making a bad choice doesn't mean you have to, like, cling on to it. And the other one is you said, don't fall in love with potential. It's the same as having a gambling addiction. It'll leave you blind to what is for what it should be. And with those situations on both of those things, if you're trying to hold out for potential of somebody who's not trying to live up to their potential or isn't putting the effort in to change, and you're still investing yourself into it, at some point, clinging on to a mistake just because you spent a lot of time making it ends up becoming just a kind of a, a waste of what I, I think that you and I would both agree of your most precious resource that you have which is you've just thrown a lot of time away because of doubt and fear. And I, that's for me personally, I would like to have people have as clear of a choice as possible for what that is. And that would be exploring possibilities and outcomes because the only other one is this negative thing will go the direction that it's always gone until you hit rock bottom. And there's some bucket thing that happens where you're like, I will, throw it all away just for almost any other circumstance because what I'm doing is a guaranteed not going to work and I need to get out of it. 
once you get to that point, and I think people have gotten to that point, whether it's, you know, health decisions, whether it's finance decisions, whether it's marriage decisions, there's a point where you go, this is not where I'm supposed to be. Anything else will be better. And you start opening up the awareness of other options or opportunities, and you no longer see it as loss, but that potential that you have to be able to really be yourself again starts to open up, you know, and I, I think that's a beautiful thing. You, you've seen people even in our group who would get so distracted and stuck in loss, they would forget that they have all of this opportunity literally right in front of them to be the best versions of themselves and for their family and their loved ones. Because I'm, I would challenge the person you're talking to that any of them really appreciates the sacrifice of their life just for them to like be there in an unhealthy way. Like, Oh, you lose friends or family or whatever. If you talk to these people and they authentically truly care about somebody who's being abused or being treated poorly, I don't think that they're very happy about their circumstances of choosing to stay there so that, you know, you can be there while I'm being abused or being hurt. <laughs> like you love it. Thanks for the sacrifice. Most people would be like, I don't know why you stuck around for so long. Like I, I would have been very okay with you going, I got to get out of here. That's maybe just me being an optimist though. Depending on the outcome, which you will never know unless you see it through. Like what comes to mind is the picture of, uh, of the two people mining for a diamond. You ever, you ever seen it? Anyway, there's a top level and a bottom level. These two people are mining for diamonds. And over here, there's a huge diamond. But this person stops right here just before it and turns around and gives up. He cut his losses. This person went through and got to it. So, yes, I understand you can do what's best for you and don't fall in love with potential. All of the time that you invested, the guy on the bottom stopped. He cut his losses right before. So everything that he did was null and void. Whereas the guy on top was persistent, said, yes, what I'm sacrificing in this is my time, my energy, my resources, but I am going to see this through. And because he saw it through, the goal that was achieved made all of the time and sacrifices not in vain. Risk versus reward, man. Like you're talking about if you're investing into like learning as much as you can about something that can have a return, like you said, crypto and learning about like a new system of money and how can that benefit you? There's a reward system there where you see there's potential for things to be very, very positive. I would be hard pressed without professional help, somebody in an abusive relationship, seeing this as a diamond they're digging for. Sometimes shit's just shit, man. <laughs> and so you- And I understand. That's, what, that's, that's kind of where you have to go like, all right, I'm, I'm digging for diamonds here, but I'm in, a, I'm in the sewer. And there's no diamonds in here. And that's what I was talking about with the, the, the not knowing what you don't know. The, the factor of the unknown has to be calculated by what you do know. And then you have to weigh that in a percentage scale of risk to reward, as you said. So when you're talking about someone in a abusive, like a physically abusive relationship, you have a lot that goes into that. When you're talking about you're sacrificing your time and your patience, you're talking about things are more stressful because you have to do more for this other person because they're not. You ha that factors in 
very differently to your risk to reward. Do I sit here and grind it out because I I can see a, a clear end goal? And if I give up now, everything that I've gone through is going to fall to the wayside. It will be in vain. Or do I just grid my teeth and, and see it through? When I said factoring in all of the other people, that still plays a part in the calculations, who will be affected and how. And loss is what you're factoring in. So when you were talking about all you're hearing is loss, 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 lose the house, lose family, lose friends. When you're making a decision, some, something as simple as stay or go in a relationship, loss is what you're factoring in to what you could be having. And not knowing what you could be having is the imaginary realm. That is where imagination comes in is because you don't know what you could have. The potential of what you could have is definitely out there, but you know what you will lose if you cut your losses here. So do you grin and bear it or do you write, do, do you pull the ripcord? Ultimately, yeah, it's always just, I still see it as like, with all those things factored at the end of it, like you just said, so you're going to stay or you're going to go, you're going to pull the cord. You're going to, you're going to grin and bear it. It's still, it's still simple. The choice is still simple. We complicate it with all of this, how we cope with change and loss, which is one of, here's this little side note. Funny as hell to me that one of the things that is a guarantee with everything is change. It doesn't matter if it's in nature. It doesn't matter if it's our own things. Everything that we have and everything that you know is going to change over a long enough time frame. Nothing stays the same. Nothing at all. Why is it so ironic that we are, as humans, suck so bad at change when it's a 100% certainty? Well, I would challenge that with, yes, everything changes. But it also stays exactly the same. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Look at a uh, currency. From the dawn of time, it has always been a, a a currency value, something for something. And even though that something might have been a barter system at first, and you were trading a a lamb for uh, a cow or uh, a, a llama for your daughter, the barter system was the currency. You take it to present time where we're going fiat, which is our, our current system uh, using uh, an IOU basically given by the government that is backed by gold. All of these are still barters. It's a trade. It's, a, it's, it's still the currency. You take it into crypto now. Now it's a digital currency. It's still a currency. So yes, it all changed, but it's exactly the same. It's still something for something. Well, I think that gets into like that... If I was like, listen, I'm still on trying to trade llamas here and it, it's still a trade system. I'm, I brought llamas. Somebody who wants to trade for llamas. And everyone's like, ah, we're not on llamas anymore. It, that's over to this thing now. It's that part. It's not that cur like trade isn't trade. Trading is still trading. Sure. The words trade, I'm going to give you something for something. It's, that's still there. But if I'm still on CDs, and you guys are on digital copies. I'm, I'm still on music. If I'm on eight tracks or records, I'm still on music. But it's, I didn't adapt with change. And so now I'm the only guy here 
trying to listen to CDs when you've got a, you know, 20,000 digital copy, like, you know, list of songs that you've got now. And I'm on my 13 tracks of this one artist. I'm like, it, it may be still music and it may be still a way to transfer music or maybe a way that trade is still trade. But as humans, the adaptability of the inevitable change, whether it be relationships, whether it be changing your job, whether it be the way you listen to your music, whether it be the way that you communicate. Shoot, we were around when text messaging started. And I still remember when people were like, that's never going to work. Why don't you just call them? And now it's weird to call people because you just text them. We, we actually text people to make sure it's okay to call them. Like things have gone so differently on a change that people resist. And one thing I do know is when I worked at Verizon and I worked in the phone industry, older people who have been around their whole lives and have seen a lot of change are the most resistant to it. You see, I'm clinging on to flip phones or something that I'm not going to, I'm never going to text. I don't have any purpose for these things, but you can literally take this thing and call in an airstrike and change the entire, like you can change the, you do things on this that wasn't even an option, you know, 30 years ago. And so with the amount of change and stuff that's going on, I think that the adaptability for humans to be able to be good at it, I feel like we're not that good at it, even though it, like you said, it stays the same. And one aspect is like the idea is the same, but it's done in such a different way that if you don't adapt, you are literally quite literally left behind. And that's a, that's a funny thought to me on how rough we are at just making the choice to be able to accept change when it's inevitable, but we resist. I just think it's funny. That's all. And I agree with you and no way, shape or form. Do I even disagree? Like I'm, I'm on your side. I am trying my best to play devil's, devil's advocate on this, which is really difficult coming from someone that wholeheartedly is, was, is on your side. <laughs> so when, when I'm trying to come up with scenarios to give examples of how, how things aren't what they are, it's, it's difficult because you have to remove everything except for you. And if you do that, then nothing that we're talking about is relevant because we're only doing what we do on a daily because of where our society is. We only do it because of what we have to do or what we're taught to do or what we think based on what we know to do. And all of that stems from how things have changed. But if we were to strip all that away and utilize the basis of it, which is exactly the same as it's always been, is survive then the choices get a whole lot more simplistic the 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 choices you have to wake up you have to do things you have to eat like i think one of the phrases is the only thing that's guaranteed in life is death and taxes but if you took that back to before taxes were implemented as a, a consistence the only thing guaranteed in life then was death I still challenge, I say death taxes change. I, I put change in that for myself. Change is a certainty. But change on yeah. whose behalf? Or period. Change, There's. it's not even on whose behalf, period. It doesn't matter if it's a rock outside. Like with enough time, 
rain and erosion, if everything changes, grass starts growing around it, everything changes. Every, nothing stays the same, nothing. And that's kind of like the thing is everything is going to change, every single thing. Um, the way things are done is anything like original is the way people do things original. The only thing original is just the way that we do it more technologically advanced, but it's the same interactions, you know, even thousands of years ago, philosophers were like, no new things are happening. You think you're the first one to have a breakup? You think that you're the first one to have this trouble? You think you're the first one to be in this situation? No, it's just an ever repeating cycle and it's just your turn. And so it didn't this, change. It didn't change, but it's different people and everything in that circumstance is going to change. It's, it's an ironic thing that like, while it keeps repeating itself, that we still are really bad at adapting to it. I think the, the only thing I think the technology part, I think, who was it? Um, gosh, uh, one of the philosophers. I don't even know how to say this. Guy. There's a guy's name. Uh, it's uh, Tagore. Uh, Tagore. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. I haven't studied a lot of his stuff. But it says, don't limit a child to your own learning, for he was born in a different time. And that would be one of those things where like, if you're saying the only way that you should be doing things is by reading the encyclopedia and you're like, I got Google and that'll kick your encyclopedia in the butt. <laughs> you're like, I appreciate you telling me a better way that you believe it works, but things have changed to where now getting information is far more focused and faster and more expanded. So for you to tell me to live like by what you, the way you've done things, I can adapt to my time to make it so I can still do what you're saying, but just at a different level. This, that's it's a, adapting. That's adapting to the change that we have between people, technology, society. But again, I still fall back on the principle that to obtain that knowledge, you still have to use the same fundamentals. It's either reading or hearing or experiencing. Mm -hmm. So in order to, in, in the analogy that you used with uh, Google to the encyclopedia, you can use Google to get the encyclopedia. It's a tool that you're using, but at the, the end of the day, you're still trying to obtain knowledge. You've just found a more successful way of doing that, an easier way of doing that. However, it comes with its own cons as well because there's more information you still now have to rely for that information to be accurate. How do you check that? How do you, how do you make that information that you now have at the, the access of your fingertips that has been provided by numerous people across the globe and that source can change from, from one website to the next? Those things have no certainty to them. So you, you have to have some level of trust that goes into it. The fundamentals of it all still are the same, though. You're, in order to obtain, you must give something of equal or greater value. So if you want to get the knowledge, you've got to give up your time. Uh, you got to give up your brain power. Whether you do it through the website or you do it through a paperback, still the same thing. You're, you're getting the knowledge from somebody else's experience. The, the fundamentals are still there. And that's why I said the more things change, the more they stay the same. You may use digital. I may use a paperback, still the same information is going to be what the information is. The word the is still three letters.
I'm with you, of course. And you're not wrong because the, the analogy does hold up. If this is true and the uncertainty and the, you have to trust that the collective of what people are putting down is the, is the information's correctness and all of these things, it still comes down to the irony that if you're in a bad spot and there may be loss or change or uncertainty that we would lean towards routine doubt and fear over the odds or chances that it could be better. But it's going to change one way or another. And until you hit like some rock bottom moment that you're gonna change, your friend will stay in an abusive relationship. People will stay at jobs that they hate. People will stay in circumstances that they don't feel safe, appreciated, respected. They'll stay in terrible spots because it's the evil that they know. And that's better than the maybe that it could be, no matter how much it's inevitable that it's temporary, that what you have isn't going to last anyways. The fear of doing things differently than you always have is what will kill you. So one of the phrases that I I really heavily leaned on in my life is your comfort zone will kill you. And if you don't have the ability to conform and adapt, to make the adjustments on the fly, to see things from a different point of view, then yes, you, you can seriously hinder your ability to grow. When you say change and I say grow, we're saying the same thing. And that's why it was hard for me to be able to try to look at that from devil's advocate point of view is I believe that everything is changing. As we have this conversation, we're changing. New information will alter and rewire our brains to be able to see things that we didn't see before, hear things and and make us uh, perceive a, a, a different outcome or look at things from a different point of view. As long as you have the awareness to take that information and apply it, action is the key. You can have all the information in the world, but if you don't use it, it's not going to help you at all. So yes, everything is changing, but everything is still the same. Utilize the basis to be able to build from and let that be your rock bottom. Push off from there. And then everything that you do from that, just make sure you're willing to adjust and adapt. Your way isn't the right way. You're looking for the right way to be able to make yours. Which leads me back to the beginning of this entire thing, which is you're right with the awareness part, but we block ourselves from asking the right questions to be able to see it that way. In which case, the only solution I know is you work with somebody who can help you ask the right questions. This is where you see people go to therapists or coaches or, you know, psychologists, figure out what works for you, because that's what we do. When we're working with people, that's what we do. We ask questions that they didn't consider, even though it was sitting right there in your blind spot. And so that's why I say reach out to uh, uh, people who do that. If you guys like the way that we break down stuff in these conversations, if you like the way that, man, you guys really get into a few topics, but kind of tear into it from both ways. And I like that. It gave me a different point of view and made me also consider things in a little bit of a different way. 
Thank you for that. Go ahead and check us out right now. Um, everything is a choice is still at justamileaday.com. And you can go on and check us out for the uh, men's group that we have. You'll get a chance to actually work with us on your real life stuff if you're in our group. So check it out and uh, apply to see if you're one of the guys who fits in with our group because we're very selective. But every single guy in our group has a very different life than they did before they started in a massively positive way. What do you think, Eddie? The guys in our group, are they doing good? They've excelled in many different categories. It's things in, that most of them didn't even fathom when they joined. So it's amazing. As long as, as long as you can take what you're hearing and apply it, then yeah. And most of the people that we've uh, we've got in our group seem to be able to at least remove that what you call them rose colored glasses mm -hmm. the, the, the filter yep it's that, the filters this, this is how i've always done it if you, if you can if you can remove that from your your system then yeah you you have a lot of a lot of information at your fingertips there's a lot of different points of view and a lot of wealth of experience mm -hmm. but ultimately you can't ask a question that you don't understand you can't make a choice that you don't know is there. And that's what we do is help you to see that everything is a choice. It's right in front of you and the life that you want, whether it's love, finances, whether it's health, whatever it is that you're looking for, come check us out. Everything is a choice. If you want to just see more Eddie, because you're like, man, I hate when Rick talks, but I like when Eddie does. Check him out on Instagram and TikTok under pure.defiance. And when you change that, we'll look back at this and we'll, you know, changing the notes like <laughs> it's something different if you change that but as it stands right now check us both out and uh yeah hopefully hear some you guys uh, hear from you guys to say hey i want more of this and if you have a topic that you're like is this really a choice let me throw something at you because uh i'm interested in getting into some deep heavy ones and i would like to uh, maybe even have some other people jump on with us to challenge the ideas of of uh, is it really a series of choices or is it really more complicated then simple. In which case, we'll see you guys later. Choice!